The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Business Innovation with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run business is run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, I can absolutely promise you are in the right place. So stick around for the next hour. Today's buzz, Z's, please. I will explain. Okay, is sales productivity or the lack of it keeping your C-suite awake night after night after night? They want to get back to sleep, but they can't. They have good reason to have troubled sleep. The sales quota attainment gap has been hovering around 52%. That's right. I said 52% for several years, according to research from CSO Insights. What are companies doing about this? Well, some of them are just sheer exhausted, and they're jumping straight into a technology solution. It seems the easy way out or the easy way in. However, it's not. They still need to have best practices strategies. They need tactics. They need intelligence to address the things on the landscape that are causing these challenges. Number one, buying behavior has changed. If you don't know it, you've been hiding under a rock and you have to deal with it. Also, you have to understand the roles of sales enablement and where does technology fit into this puzzle? It has a place, but do you know the right one? Take heart. Help is here. No, not an extra dose of Unisom. Help is here in the form of our panel of experts who are going to share their insights, their expertise, their knowledge, and their passion for this topic. And our topic today is closing your sales productivity gap. This impacts every company, every footprint, every industry, every place in the world, every maturity. So listen up. First up on the panel, I'm delighted to welcome Barb Giamanco. If you want to look her up, it's G-I-A-M-A-N-C-O. She's the head of Social Centered Selling. And Barb has sent me a wonderful quote from Michael Jordan. Anybody wondering, remembering, where have you been hiding? He's the American former professional basketball player who is now the principal owner and chairman of the Charlotte Hornets. And here's the quote. Obstacles don't have to stop you. If you run into a wall, don't turn around and give up. Figure out how to climb it, go through it, or work around it. Barb Giamanco, welcome. How are you today? I'm doing great, Bonnie. Thanks for having me here. Thanks for joining. And listen, this is a great quote. I can just see Michael Jordan jumping up in all his tallness and figuring out how to climb it, go through it, work around, because that's what he does. So tell me, how does this relate to our topic of sales suite executives staying awake at night because the sales quota just isn't getting met? Talk to me, Barb. Yeah, so what I think, Bonnie, is that sales productivity, it's a problem that can't be just solved in the short term. And as we're going to be talking about, there are multiple drivers that are at the root cause of the problem, right? So the, the quote for me is just a reminder that 
just because something is challenging or tough to do with obstacles that might slow you down, it doesn't mean you need to give up. You're going to hit the obstacles, but you adjust course, you keep going, and keep going and keep going until you reach the goal. So, you know, later all of us are going to be talking about um, what we think related to sales productivity. And myself personally, I'm going to spend time talking about the people side of the equation and the skills and behaviors I think sellers are going to need now and in the future. So I'm really looking forward to a great conversation. Wonderful, Barb. I am too. And let me, let me point something out here. When we say about you've got to just keep going, are we seeing burnout on the sales side in terms of leadership? Are they saying this is just too much? I've got technology. I've got change buying behaviors. I've got a workforce, a sales force that might have three, four, or even five generations working side by side. Everybody thinks they know what to do. I'm scratching my head. I just don't want to look anymore. I just want to go to sleep. Do you see any of that, Barb, in your observations? Sure. Uh, well, of course, I think that's that's natural. And as we're all going to talk about, you know, I think you look at big problems and you start breaking them down into small nuggets and figuring out what you can do and what you can fix. But in my personal estimation, you can't give it up. It's too important. I mean, CSO Insights has been re- reporting the 52% of a lack of quota attainment for several years. So that should be a serious problem that needs to be addressed. So I realize people might be tired. That's kind of why I picked that quote, uh, yeah. because you just still have to keep, to, to keep going, in my opinion. It's, it's just an important problem that has to be solved. Thanks, Barb. I appreciate that. And I've seen that the number goes as high as 67% in some areas. So it's definitely something, the fact that it's not going away, it's not a toss-up anymore. It's tilting on the side of you have a problem. Thanks, Barb, and welcome again. Let's bring on our second panelist. She's Tamara Schenk, and I'll spell her whole name in case anybody wants to look her up and see what she's done. It's T-A-M-A-R-A, last name S-C-H-E-N-K. She's the research director for the MHI Research Institute, which is a division of MHI Global. And Tamara has sent me a quote from Wolf Johann Wolfgang von Goethe. I think I'm pronouncing that right. He's a German writer of epic and lyric poetry in a variety of meters and styles those of you poetry aficionados. He also wrote prose and verse dramas, memoirs, and an autobiography. And here's the quote, and it's so perfect on the heels of the quote from Michael Jordan that Barb gave us. The quote is, knowing is not enough. We must apply. Willing is not enough. We must do. Tamara, welcome. How are you today? I'm fine. Happy to be here. Thanks for having me, Bonnie. We're delighted. So you're calling from Germany today. Where in Germany are you, by the way? Yeah, I'm in Wiesbaden. That's the greater Frankfurt area. Well, welcome, welcome, and thank you for joining us. So tell me, how did you come to pick this quote? Now, by the way, Van Gogh lived from 1749 to 1832. Wouldn't he be surprised to find that he's being quoted (laughs) on an Internet-based radio show in 2015? Really? (laughs) Go ahead, Tamara, tell me about it. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. That's uh, with many artists' experience that they get really famous <laughs> um, after uh, they have died. So uh, Goethe is really one of the greatest artists and writers, in my opinion. And he got so many things really spot on and right also in other areas, in the area of science. So he's really a fascinating um, artist. And uh, I picked this quote because... Sales productivity is an issue, and as and as already Barb mentioned, uh, some really get tired of talking about this topic. But it's it's really too important. Mm-hmm. And if you read uh, sales blogs uh, day in day out, you find a lot of discussions and strategies and concepts and best practices and do's and don'ts. 
and what to consider and how to begin with and, and how to do things. But there is one critical element, and that's not mentioned so often, and that sales productivity is about consequent execution in the first place. Mm-hmm. Whatever your productivity strategy is with a lack of execution, we will never know if it was a good one or if it was a bad one. And execution is also connected to leadership, and this is this notion of we must apply and we must do. And we already talked about the role of technology, and we will discuss that and explore that even further. But what we experience in our research and, and with our clients is that you cannot replace leadership by technology and the other way around. And I think, personally, we need a much better balance in the future, especially when it comes to sales productivity, um, that leadership is a prerequisite to execution and then to use technology in the right way. Thank you, Tamara. While you were speaking, it made me think of a quote we had on a recent other Game Changers radio show. The quote is by Wayne Gretzky, and the quote is, Mm -hmm. you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Gee, I think that Mm -hmm. math works out really, really well. So there you go. Thank you, Tamara. Very interesting quote, and and I'm delighted that you've dug back back deep into the archives to bring out a quote from somebody who (laughs) hasn't been with us in well over 100, well, let's see, yeah, almost 200 years. Thank you very much. Delighted to meet you, and thanks for your your input on the topic. And let's round out the panel by introducing Robin Sates. Robin, you know how to spell that, S-A-I-T-Z. She's the CMO, Chief Marketing Officer at BrainShark. And Robin has brought me a quote from Malcolm Gladwell. I have a little bit of trivia for you, Robin, before I tell everybody what the quote is. Malcolm Gladwell Uh-oh. was born in... Yeah, get, get this. <laughs> Malcolm Gladwell was born in 1963, the same year as Michael Jordan was born. And he's the one that Barb Giamacco quoted. So Uh-oh. there... We've got a couple of uh, 51, 52-year-olds who have made the radio show, and I think that's interesting. Uh, Robin brought this quote from, she listened to a PTC Live Global 2015 keynote that Malcolm his full name is Malcolm Timothy Gladwell Gay. By the way, he's a Canadian journalist, best-selling author and speaker, and he's been a staff writer for The New Yorker since 1996. So here's the quote. Be disagreeable and be willing to tackle something unpopular. Be imaginative to reframe the problem and be in a hurry and act with a sense of urgency. If you can seize these three things, you can make a difference in the world. I love this quote. Robin, welcome. How are you? I'm well, and I'm really pleased to be here. We're pleased to have you. So talk to us. Malcolm Gladwell, what were you doing listening to his keynote? And and it certainly impacted you. So talk to me. Well, I, um, I've had the opportunity to see Malcolm Gladwell now speak twice um, in person, and this, uh, this recent uh, keynote at the PTC Live Global was exciting to watch for me online uh, because he was talking about transformation, and he talks about transformation a lot, and I find him to be very inspiring, and he takes, you know, very unique stories and storytelling to make a very important point. And as it relates to sales productivity, I think these points are really important to consider because just like uh, Barb was talking about, don't stop working on this problem, I think uh, this first part of the quote around being disagreeable and being willing to tackle something unpopular is really important as it relates to sales productivity because it can weigh you down, but it is a problem that has to be solved. And the next part of the quote around reframing the problem, Mm -hmm. I think, is really important, too, because I think sales productivity has been a problem, you know, since the beginning of time. Um, And 
I think that if you try and attack the problem in the same way over and over again, you might not you may not make as much progress as you can if you think about the problem in a different way and realize that there are alternative ways to approach the problem. And then I think the last point around being in a hurry and acting with a sense of urgency is really key as it relates to sales productivity. I think executives across the board are wrestling with this problem and they, in order for them to grow and achieve their business objectives, they need to tackle this problem now. Robin, interesting. And, and the last part, especially, be in a hurry and act with a sense of urgency, reminds me of a quote we hear very frequently on our Game Changers radio shows. And the, the quote or the, the mantra is, fail fast and fail often. Does that work in sales today? If, it, if you're trying to reframe, if you're tackling something un- unpopular and you give it a try and it doesn't work, well, don't sit there and cry about it. Don't quit your job. Come back with a new sense of urgency, reframe, retackle, and try something else. What do you think? I totally agree with that. I think that a lot of times people will apply the same way they solved a problem over and over again, and they'll come up short. And I think there are many different ways that companies can approach the sales productivity problem. They can approach it with, from a skills perspective. They can approach it from a process perspective. And they can, appro- and they can approach it with new technologies that are now available. And, Robin, this goes to a famous Albert Einstein quote. Oh, I'm in a quote lookup mood today. And the quote is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. And we know what that is. That's Einstein's definition of insanity. insanity. There we go. <laughs> wow, we've got some really good quotes here on the table. We've got Michael Jordan sharing a birthday year with Malcolm Gladwell, and then we're digging back in history to Johann Wolfgang von Goethe. And I'm going to bring our panel back to the present time here, and I'm going to circle back to Barb Giamanco and ask, Barb, you know what's coming next. We want to know a little bit about you. What are you drinking right this minute? I, I know I prepared you for this. What are you drinking right this second, or what are you dreaming about drinking? That's something that was wonderful in your life. Tell us a little bit about Barb. Go ahead. Oh, sure. Happy to do. Well, what am I drinking right now? I'm drinking, uh, you know, lemon ice water, right, for the show. However, what I'm thinking mm. about and what I'll be drinking uh, a little bit later is a, a nice glass of red wine because it, it just reminds me of all of my uh, travels internationally, especially a recent trip I, I took to, to um, Tamara's uh, place in the world, Germany. I was just in Munich in June, and it just reminds me of that fabulous trip. And Yes, I went to work and to play, and yes, I drank a lot of beer, but boy, I was digging on that amazing wine, Bonnie, and my favorite red <laughs> actually came from the, the, the Weingut uh, Schmitz Kinder Winery, and it was paired with a fantastic dinner at uh, the restaurant of Blower Block, so that's what I'm going to be thinking and drinking later in the day. <laughs> Wonderful. Now, the, the label on the wine, is there a name to the grape? Is there something people can say, ah, I want to look that up, Barb? Anything? Uh... Yeah, they probably can. It's, uh, I'd have to go back and re- remember the exact name. I just remembered, I was looking through my travel notes, and I had remembered uh, the name of the winery. But listen, let me tell you, you can't go wrong with any of their reds. They were just fantastic. Ah. Good to know. You know what I do when I when I meet a wine, I just can't get out of my mind, Barb. And I'm not not much of a wine drinker, but once in a while, it's a wow. I pull out my iPhone and I take a picture of the label, even if it was poured from the bar. I ask them to bring the bottle over, and I'll take a picture of the label so I can go search it down. Not always that easy, but it certainly is interesting. Thank you, Barb. Well, and very interesting. You say that because yeah. I did take a picture, just like I took a picture of all these fantastic <laughs> food and the beer gardens and everything else. And as um, as uh, Tamara knows, I just love 
uh, traveling. That's my second trip to Germany, and it was awesome. So Wonderful. I know people always think about Germany for the wine, or excuse me, the beer, but the, beer. Me, the wine is fantastic. <laughs> we are going to say, we're going on record to saying Game Changers Radio trusts Barb Giamanco that the, the, the wine, the red wine in Germany rocks as much as the beer. There this we girl go. Knows we knows her wine. We've just gone and said that. Thank you, Barb. Tamara Shank, what are you drinking? Talk to me. (laughs) So actually, uh, my time is uh, 6.15 p.m., so I'm actually closer to wine. (laughs) But currently for the show, I have um, a glass of delicious home-filtered fresh water with me. Very nice. And is it room temperature? Is it cold? Is it in a special glass? What what does it look like? Yeah, it's... It's it's in a very nice class. It's without ice, and uh, yeah, what is so special about water? I mean, we are built from water. <laughs> the whole planet mm-hmm. is seventy, eighty percent built from water, and uh, many people don't have access to water. And then look at California; the the country is suffering from from increasing drought. So I, I think our perception of water is really important, and uh, we shouldn't consider it always as self evident. So if you look at it as a gift um, from the planet to us earthlings to live with, uh, because no water, no life. Um, so that really changed my attitude uh, to water. When I, uh, when I drink water, I'm just grateful and I'm happy that I can have access to fresh water. And that's oh, a lot I of like wisdom that. I learned from a Native American elder called Maria Teresa. So she really changed my viewpoint, my perspectives on water. I love it. We've learned something. Thank you very much for sharing, Tamara. I appreciate that. <laughs> Who knew water could be so interesting? And you're right, we are made from water. And and I'll tell you what I'm drinking in a minute, and you'll appreciate that. Robin Sates, I'll ask you where you're calling from, and tell us a little bit about what you're drinking. Well, I'm calling from very, very rainy Boston, Massachusetts. It's pouring, like mm-hmm. cats and dogs here, which we need, so we welcome it, speaking of water. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm drinking a uh, iced decaf skim latte that I dream about while I'm while I'm biking in the mornings. I uh, I'm an avid cyclist and I bike pretty much every morning I can, even today before the rain came in. Um, and I think about when I'm done how I'm going to grab a hold of that iced decaf skim latte. <laughs> Oh, that sounds good. By the way, I'm on Long Island, Robin, and it, the rain has abated right now, but it was sure pluing, as they say in French, when I woke up this morning, and it looks like it's calming down, but I don't think we've seen the end of it. I guess we pushed it up north to you in Boston, so you yeah, can have well, a little more. We'll, we'll enjoy it for the day. <laughs> I, I think we all need to be grateful, as, as Tamara said. We need to be grateful for the water that's coming down out of the sky. By the way, ladies, they don't let Bonnie have caffeinated beverages on radio show day. So I am drinking a simple glass of filtered water in a very pretty glass, and my straw color today <laughs> is light green. That's all I can tell you. That's as interesting <laughs> or boring as it gets. What can I say? We are speaking today about a very serious topic that impacts companies all over the world of any size, shape, industry, you name it. Close your sales productivity gap. It should be keeping your executives awake at night. As a matter of fact, it should be keeping your salespeople awake at night. It's been hovering around 52 to over 65% this gap, not on the favorable side, for several years, according to CSO Insights. So we're getting words of wisdom today and a lot of interesting insights from Barb Giamanco at Social Centered Selling. 
That's a couple of alliterations there. Tamara Shank at MHI Research Institute and Robin Sates, the CMO at BrainShark. I'm Bonnie D. Graham. You're listening, keep, keep, keeping track, to episode number eight in our series called Business Innovation with Game Changers Radio, presented by SAP and Ariba. And I have to do a shout-out. Tamara Schenk is talking and tweeting at the same time. We love that. We have Gail DeCocu from SAP Ariba who is tweeting. We've got somebody named Alice Hyman, H-E-I-M-A-N. Thank you for tweeting. We've got Barb tweeting like a major tweeter before the show and, and uh, just before we started. And let's see, we've got somebody at Productivity Booster going under the handle Productivity T-O-P. Caps. Thank you very much. And then we've got me. So why don't you join our Twitter party at hashtag SAP Radio? And oh, you're welcome. Uh, Tamara, uh, Gail says thanks for the shout out from California Drought. Yeah. We are dry and need the I rain. Send see, the yeah. rain. Send the rain. Gail, we're going to do our I'm best. Doing, I'm sending energy and rain and water. <laughs> Gail, we'll stop sending it north to Boston, and we'll send it out west to California. Yeah. We're going to give it our Directly best try here. Yeah, yeah. There, there you go. We're going to put it on a train right now. Okay, we're going to take a very quick break, so don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. When we come back, Barb Giamanco and I are going to kick off the roundtable on our very important topic, closing your sales productivity gap. You don't want to miss this conversation. Brad out. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Business has never been more complex than in today's networked economy. To thrive, companies must adapt and innovate. They must harness the wealth of information now available to enable smarter decision-making. They must enable effective collaboration among employees and with their customers and suppliers. They must optimally deploy enterprise resources, and they must make this simple. Join our experts as they discuss how your business leaders can drive innovation that positions your company for continued success. Business Innovation with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. listening to Business Innovation with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show using Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Business Innovation with Game Changers. Here we are. We're back with Barb Giamanco. Tamara Shank and Robin Sates, and I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and you're listening to Business Innovation with Game Changers. Shout out to Jeannie Trin at SAP Ariba for sponsoring this series and for putting together this fantastic panel. So let's get this party started. Barb Giamanco, I'm looking at your notes from before the show, and here's something very important. We're still in the process of defining the problem. You say improving your sales performance is getting more difficult every day. We've got tighter competition. We mentioned in the opening changed buyer behavior we've got technology advancements and there are a lot of tools out there but are they really making the sales force more efficient and more effective barb why don't you get us started please 
Sure. Well, I just I think that there is a tendency sometimes, Bonnie, to to look at a problem like the one that we're talking about, and to think that you can just throw technology at it. So I just wanted I, I want to start there. So there there's you know there's the people equation, there's the process piece of it, and then there's uh, the technology. And so I get that there are more apps and and more tools and and all of that sort of thing. But as we're going to continue to talk about all three of us, you know, you've got to think bigger than that. There's really not going to be a, a short-term solution. It's got to start with sort of your strategic thinking about identifying the areas that need to be, uh, uh, you know, brought together and fixed. And, you know, all these, these different things play into it. And, and certainly a, a big factor here, and that's why I think it continues to, to become a difficult problem, is that buyers are not sitting still. So they have different expectations of salespeople, which means salespeople need different uh, skills. And so tools isn't really going to, to, to cut it. And I think it's important that organizations stop thinking about what used to work and start thinking about, as Robin said, about how to reframe the problem and look at this in a totally different light. Thank you, Barb. Tamara, talk to us. Thoughts? Yeah, so a great starting point, um, <clears throat> what we just heard, and I, I agree on all these findings. And what we see in our research and um, working with our clients is that sales productivity is really a systems issue. I cannot tackle it with a point solution over here or a, a training over here or a piece of technology over here. Uh, it's really first and foremost about let's understand our sales system, and that depends on our customers tackle their problems and how customers want to buy and how they want to connect with us. So these are the, the driving triggers if we think about how can we improve our productivity. And you, many of you mentioned it beforehand, if you do the same things over and over again and expect mm-hmm. different results, that was defined by Albert Einstein as insanity. And this is what very often still happens that there is this notion of we can try it harder and then it will work. That we have to think differently about it. We have to tackle the issue with understanding the customer's journey and how they want to connect and how they want to buy and how they want to collaborate. And then we can make um, appropriate decision on strategy, on process, on people, and then on technology. Thank you. Robin Sage, join us. Thoughts, please? Yeah, I um, I agree. I think companies are, I agree with both uh, Barb and uh, Tamara on this, especially around this idea that is a, a systematic problem. You kind of have to look across all of the different aspects of your selling organization and the marketing organization and how marketing supports the selling organization. But companies who are, you know, trying to grow their business either by launching new products or through acquisition or entering in new markets they're trying to figure out how do I get the most out of that initiative, and the way to get the most out of that initiative is to make sure my sales sales professionals come up to speed really quickly, and and I have programs in place, whether it's through process, whether it's through technology, whether it's through skills development that enables these big company initiatives to be successful. Because if the salespeople aren't successful, the big initiative isn't going to be successful. Thank you. Barb, thoughts you want to add to what your co-panelists have shared so far? Well, just sort of tagging on to what Robin said, you know, you need to make sure that your people are, are, are primed for success. And this is one of the areas that I spend a lot of time in. And I think it's really important, Bonnie, that we, we also call out that training people is not a one-time event. So as, as we continue to, to, to talk about this um, in the context of the people side of it, 
if we're lucky and people, salespeople are getting good onboarding and good sales skills training in the beginning, it's often then not even continued. So that would be the only thing that I would tag on is when you're thinking about your plan for productivity and it involves the people side, you've got to make a significant investment in the training also. It can be two times a year at a sales kickoff. Yeah, I agree. Barb. This is Robin. Yeah. I mm-hmm. I agree with um, what Barb what Barb is pointing out there because there has to be this concept of continuous learning that's always available to the salespeople, almost in a just in time kind of way. Because anytime they um, you know they go off in the morning to speak to a, a prospective client, that person, that group of people that they're talking to is going to be totally different than the people they talk to in the afternoon. And so being able to access that information quickly when they need it, need it needs to be considered in addition to the formal onboarding uh, process that may occur when they first join a company. Thank you. I yeah, have a question is, for the whole uh, panel. Important Go issue. ahead, Tamara. Go ahead. You, you talk, um, then I have a question. Because we, we just tackled the training part and also the content part. So what are the messages people talk to, to a different uh, client, to a different buyer? And this is from an enablement perspective so important that there is a system of framework in place uh, that connects the content I provide salespeople with and the training and the methodologies, how I want them uh, to sell, how do I want them to create value um, for the customers. And these things have to be connected. So we see that in our data that our organizations who connect content efforts and, and training efforts and the whole value messaging thing, that they are better in performance, they have better a quota attainment. We are currently working on a study. I hope we have soon much more detailed data on that. So, and if if these things are connected, then you actually create uh, an infrastructure of productivity. And this brings us to a next element. It's so important that we can things make scalable. We have to create an environment where we can just repeat things that work properly, especially if companies want to grow. So, scalability is a key issue then. Thank you. And I want to talk about company size. I mentioned several times in my intro and in my comments that we're addressing, well, we do have a global audience and we don't know exactly what companies they represent. But question for the panel, I'm just going to put this on the table before we move into some comments from uh, Tamara's notes list. Uh, The question for everybody is, do startups, young companies, young, lean and flexible and agile, do they have an advantage in sales today because they can watch and perhaps take a peek at what the bigger, less flexible companies are not doing right and go in and pounce because there's so much available, they can hire the best of the best on the excitement of a new product, a new service, a new idea? Or is this something this sales quota, sales productivity gap is plaguing small companies as well? Barb, you want to take a a stab at that? I think absolutely it's plaguing small companies also, Mm -hmm. and for the very reason that you just mentioned, Bonnie, I think there is an assumption that because we're smaller, we're somehow going to be leaner and meaner and more successful straight out of the gate. You still have to have the right systems, still have to have the right people with the right skills who are addressing the issues in the right way. And so for me, a particular hot button is whether you're a small startup, a small business, a mid-market, or an enterprise. Sellers continue to sell almost across the board in the same way that they always have, and there's this tendency to default to features and benefits or let me do a demo. And so I absolutely think that this issue impacts smaller organizations. That being said, I think they have a super opportunity because they have an opportunity to get it right from the beginning. Yes. Yes. Tamara, thoughts on that? Agree, Mm -hmm. disagree? (laughs) A little bit of everything. 
Um, I absolutely agree with the opportunity to make things right from the beginning, absolutely. But on the other hand, the changes we are currently in that buyers tackle issues differently, that they are much more informed of not and more confused, but they have definitely different expectation on what salespeople should do and how salespeople should create value for them than it was uh, many years ago. Um, so then it's a question of what, what is the right profile I want to hire and how they want to develop people from the very beginning in the right way that they really apply a customer core, a customer-centric approach, that they yes. know how to connect to the business challenges uh, of the customers. And I think that's the same uh, challenge for startups as well, but they have the chance to do it right from the beginning. Thank you. Robin Sates, thoughts? Yeah, I I agree with uh, what Tamara just pointed out here because I think oftentimes startups really focus on their technology and their features and functions. I think Barb might have mentioned this as well. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. they are less value-oriented, less focused on the customer's problem, um, and they are very eager to show their technology without thinking about the business problem and communicating to the prospect how they might um, how they might solve that problem. I also think that um, in a startup mode, things are they, they definitely are acting with a sense of urgency, which is great, right? They need to act with a sense of urgency, but again, without without considering the system, their selling system, they may um, they may run into the same problems that um, mid-size and larger companies experience with sales productivity. Thank you all three for indulging my question. And now I'm looking at Tamara Shank's notes. And Tamara, let's talk about the ones who are succeeding, the ones who are really doing it right. You call them world-class sales performers. And your comment to me before the show was, world-class sales performers adapt better and faster to rising and changing buyer expectations in a customer-centric world. And I think we need to add multi-channel and the changes in the buyer journey. It certainly Mm -hmm. has changed and more from what it was, what, even in 10 years ago, 5 years ago, definitely 15 years ago. So why don't you introduce this idea of who are these world-class sales performers? What did they know that's not putting them into that 50% of gap and putting them into the, (laughs) wow, they're the ones getting the gold stars. They're on the honor. So who are they? Tamara? Yeah. Uh, so that, that was a great finding. Uh, we could um, uh, publish with our 2015 um, MHI sales best practices study. So we always look at what are the measuring behaviors, activities that drive sales performance. Um, and then uh, we look at who are the respondents who really execute on these behaviors and activities. And in parallel, we look at what has changed at the buyer side. And in 2015, so many things have changed significantly on the buyer side, um, and that has an impact how world-class sales performance respond to that. And what we could uh, identify might be a bit counterintuitive, but the world-class performance, they involve more people at the customer and in their own organization. So they involve, for instance, 5.8 uh, decision-makers and influencers at the customer, um, and four to four people in their own organization. And the all respondents, the average, they involve less people on both sides. So that means more people on both sides, it actually, it's, it's increasing complexity and it requires a different level of uh, collaboration uh, to orchestrate that the right way. But then if we look at their performance, and we see that they have um, a much better sales performance than all respondents, 23% better sales performance 
measured by um, quota attainment, uh, year-over-year revenue growth, a new account acquisition, and a number of, of well-known sales metrics um, uh, we all use uh, to measure sales performance. So um, that really shows that adaptive capabilities are very important. So the world-class performers are really quicker and faster to adapt to that. And uh, they, can, they can adjust their behavior, their tactics, and their strategies very quickly to new, to changed, and to complex situations. Thank you, Tamara. A, a lot to take in. And my, my question to you before we bring in Robin and Barb for their comments mm-hmm. on this, my question is, is this uh, generational in terms of do you see more of the, the hungry, sharp, almost the ADD, the, the urgency? Mm-hmm. We're talking back to, to one of the earlier, the opening quote, uh, is that from Malcolm mm-hmm. Gladwell via Robin Sates, that sense of urgency, hurry and get it done. Do you think the millennials are able to grasp this? And because they are a part of that new buying behavior journey. Mm-hmm. They're part of the people who have changed the way buyers buy. Do you think they get it and they'll be more successful on their journey as salespeople? I think not necessarily, but they are probably a, a better uh, point of departure to, to adjust their behavior to change buyer behaviors. But what we also identified in the studies the years before is that there were certain organizational attributes like a customer core culture and uh, some levels of, 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 of collaboration that, that goes really across the organization. It, it isn't end at the sales function. So these are really organizational attributes. And, and then, of course, you need some individual behaviors that also define sales performance, that people are able to provide a perspective to clients. And this is all but not selling features and functions. This is connecting to their business challenges and that they exactly know when to compete and when to collaborate. Mm, very interesting. Robin Sates, want to hear what you have to say. We have a lot of, lot of thoughts here. Yeah, I, you know, um, I think, uh, Tamara makes some really good points in understanding the, um, the buying process and the selling process. Companies really need to understand both. Um, one of the things that we understand is that companies, salespeople oftentimes disappoint the, um, the buyer in early sales conversations, they're not really on target. Forrester finds that one in 10 conversations uh, with a rep is valuable, which is really concerning. And it goes back to Tamara's point about being customer-centric and, and understanding what your buyer needs. So I think that, um, that measuring and understanding the sales behavior and the buyer behavior is really, really important. Lots of companies focus on measuring the results of the sales organization. You know, they're, they're all measuring, you know, their uh, percentage of attainment of quota and that type of thing. But very few measure the rep's knowledge and the rep's behavior in terms of how they interact with the selling, with the um, buying uh, team. And understanding that is a very important leading indicator to try and adjust the selling cycle. Thank you. Barb Giamanco, thoughts? Well, I mean, my first thought when, when Tamara was speaking, and then, of course, Robin has just <laughs> cemented it, <laughs> what a novel concept that we actually think about this from the customer's point of view, right? Um, it's, it's, it's so important for, uh, for, for sales organizations to get this, and that's why I think for me, having been in sales and managed teams and doing the work I do today, it sometimes is a little bit frustrating that they seem to be stuck 
you know, back in the day when, when certain uh, activities and approaches really worked. And, and, I, and I'd love to hear what others have to think about this, but I think we need to get to a point where the sellers are, um, as Robin was talking about, knowledge and, and, and skills and behavior. We need to help reps understand how to sell to the problem that their product or solution helps solve. And that's mm-hmm. far different kind of conversation than, you know, let me tell you all about my features, and then now you become a commodity sale, and you look just like everybody else who's got the same widget you do. And is, it, this should be concerning. One in ten conversations, excuse me, one in ten conversations, as Robin just said, is valuable to a buyer. Wow, uh, that's a serious problem. And then I'll just close by saying that, you know, Harvard Business Review has said that roughly 72% of decision makers have said that if the sales rep's ability, if they have the ability to help solve their business problems, that makes a huge impact on the decision to purchase. And when I say solve a business problem, again, it's not the demo and it's not talking features. It's you really exactly. have to understand enough about the business and mm-hmm. think about the problems your customer has and then how you can be a resource, a collaborator, and work with them to solve them. Well put. Tamara, any thoughts you want to add to this before I move to some notes from Robin? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just just one thought, which is just the consequence of what we all discussed and and, and what what, what Barbara, you just mentioned. Um, If I'm not able to solve a problem, that means I cannot connect to the customer-specific situation, which is never a technology issue. It's a business problem we have to solve, why we want to buy some product services or or, or whatsoever. And in one of our um, sales productivity studies last year in 2014, uh, we learned that the third year in a row, the inability to communicate value messages to the customer was the biggest inhibitor to sales success. And we see it again on the top priority list of sales management priorities um, this year. And so this is a, a huge challenge for everybody who is in sales enablement. We really have to walk away from training people on features and functions and products. This is just the basic foundation we need, but it doesn't make a difference. It doesn't bring us in a better position. We really have to enable people to, to analyze and understand the, the context and the situation of the customer and also how do they think, how do they want to proceed, how they want to tackle the problem in orchestrating such a stakeholder group um, that's really where sales will create value. That means creating value at each stage of their customer's journey. That, that's actually, for me, the new selling. Thank you very much. Good conversation. And Robin Sates, I want to make sure we cover some of the topics you took the time to share in your notes to me before the show. Uh, I'm going to just mention one thing just to get it on the table, and then I want to talk about some of the statistics you sent me. But you say the sales productivity problem is the concern of the C-suite and the board of directors. Yes, we've already established that. But it is solved by the function owners one level down. Now, I'm going to, if you want to talk about that, fine. But I also want to go back to what is eroding sales productivity. How are sales actually selling? spending their time, or not spending it the right way. So, uh, Robin, with your permission, I just want to read a couple of these stats, and I'll let you dive in wherever you want. So, first of all, you say nearly 40% of companies lack a formal onboarding process for sales. Let's just put that on the table. Number two, reps waste, get this, everyone, 40% of their time searching for or recreating content to support them in the selling process. That comes to 
two days a week if they're paid on, I don't know who is, but they're paid mm-hmm. on a, on a five day week. OMG, wouldn't we all love just that to say it's five? I'm going home. Now you say 100% of companies measure sales results, but that's a lagging indicator. Very few, less than 30% measure the knowledge of the sales rep. Less than 10% measure sales behavior. And then uh, Robin adds, CRM adoption is poor, resulting in low confidence in forecasting accuracy. So many good facts here. Robin, where do you want to take this? Well, I think um, I, I do want to take this in terms of where I want people to leave this with an idea of what they can go do, right? We spent a lot mm-hmm. of time talking about the problem. Um, yes. And I think a lot, of, a lot of companies who have this problem um, at the C-suite level, they'll turn to the, um, the head of sales and the head of marketing to jointly go solve this problem because uh, marketing, of course, is here for the benefit of the sales organization and to help them be productive. They're responsible oftentimes for creating the tools and the content that a seller needs to have those more effective conversations that we talked about. But because of these problems that we talked about, um, you know, that the sales reps often can't get their hands on the right content when they need it, they, um, the, the, uh, selling organization and the marketing organization will um, are looking now for ways to make sure that content almost finds the rep instead of the rep having to go find the content based on their selling situation. So we're seeing an emerging uh, role. I'm sure uh, Tamara and Barb can talk about this in, in sales enablement leaders. You know, I think historically sales enablement leaders have been viewed as the people who train the salespeople, but they're taking on a much more important role in terms of solving the sales productivity gap um, and helping companies drive alignment between the sales and marketing functions. That's one of the most important things that marketing and sales are are focused on common objectives and that they agree on what to measure and how to measure it and then make sure they put content into their systems in a way that they can access it as they need it. These are the marketing organization is putting that content in their system so the salespeople can access it when they need it. Robin, if this is so, this is Bonnie, if this is so obvious, why has it been years that the gap is hovering between 52 and 67 percent? We're talking about it like it's just as, as plain as what they used to, the expression was plain as the nose on your face. If it's so obvious, if the studies you and Barb and Tamara are talking about have got these numbers that are overwhelmingly saying, hey, guys, hey, gals, you're not doing it right. Stop, look, listen, change course, make it customer-centric, prepare, onboard properly, measure the right things, train your sales rep, make the content available, and then everybody can sleep at night and your numbers will go through the roof in the right direction. <laughs> if it's so obvious, why Why did I just say it all in one breathless sentence? So the question is, where is the resistance coming from? Are they are they dull? Are they, are they not well, paying attention? This is not brain surgery. Why are they not? succeeding. It's too many years that the numbers have been on the wrong side. Robin, what are your thoughts? I think that the, um, you know, the, the, the earth is shifting under their feet. So, you know, my father is, he's in his mid seventies and he was a very successful seller. And we talk about this, he can go toe to toe with me on this problem. Um, and, and yet, you know, when you talk about the internet and how the internet has changed the buyer buying behavior, when you talk about fiercer competition, um, when you talk about, um, the, the pressure that's on companies to, um, achieve, uh, Higher, higher productivity goals with, um, within small margins. They, they, I think it just 
puts more and more pressure on a problem that has existed for years. Technology can help. Process can help. Um, selling skills can help. Okay. Barb Giamanco, thoughts? You can answer my question or address Robin's points or anything in between in that vast universe. Go ahead, yeah, Barb. So I, think, I think part of it, too, Bonnie, is that um, it, it, you think about the, the folks who are in leadership positions, and let's just speak, for, uh, speak about sales uh, specifically for just a moment. Many of the people who are in sales leadership positions today, just like Robin was talking about with her dad, they have come up through the ranks being successful, doing business, conducting sales in a particular way. And so because they've been successful, I think that still tends to bleed over. Well, this is what worked for me back in the day. And so mm-hmm. we see some of those same kinds of selling behaviors, I think. And, and then the other thing would be that I think sometimes there's too much focus on measuring Activity for activity's sake, and you know, have got to put the onus on on leadership here as well. If all you're you're expecting your reps to do is just measure number of calls or demos made, then you know, how did they ever get to the place where let's even if you gave them the training they needed to be a great problem seller, why isn't there more focus on measuring true sales outcomes instead of worrying about? how many smiles and dials they made. So I think that that perpetuates the problem because we've got people who've been successful doing it a particular way. They're not necessarily sure. There could be a fear factor there too, right? These new technologies, um, they take a little time to figure out, figure out how you apply them strategically. So I think that leads to part of the problem. Thank you. Tamara, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think we should talk about uh, one elephant we have still in the room, and that's mm-hmm. the role of the frontline sales manager. Yes, uh-huh. so I agree. What we figured out in uh, many of our MHI or CSO Insights research is that there is a huge gap of investment in frontline sales managers. There is a tendency and a certain bias from sales leaders to invest in salespeople primarily, content training, process technology, you name it that there is almost no proper frontline sales manager development program in place. So what you see, that there are some programs on management techniques and there are some programs on coaching, but if coaching is not connected to your sales system, not connected to your enablement framework, it cannot be successful. So the idea, what, uh, what I always try to, to get across with a strategic salesforce enablement approach is we have to connect enablement and coaching and frontline sales managers, they have always to deal with customers, with business, and with their people issues. They are always in this triangle, and all these areas normally compete against each other. So they have to become very quickly great coaches, and coaches is the most important at the early stages of the customer's journey when it's about deal strategy, identifying the stakeholders and understanding their situation and their issues and and their goals. And so this is a role that really needs to be developed. Um, I'm always saying they need a driving license, <laughs> such as a salesperson as well. And, Bonnie, this is right. Just to tag on to what Tamara yeah. said is I think it's also important that, and this is probably a conversation for another day, but coaching is not the same as managing people. Would you, Tamara, exactly. uh, Robin, would you guys agree with that? Yeah, I totally agree Absolutely. with that. I totally Absolutely. agree with that. It's, it's, it's not asking what is your number this week. It is having a conversation on where they are working on opportunities, on accounts, uh, on, on their own skill development, all of that, yeah. 
But I Ladies, do think this is Robin. Um, go I ahead, do Robin. think that there are, there are ways to um, help the sales managers almost be a fly in the wall in almost every sales situation by giving them insight again into the behavior of the sales reps through their CRM system. So if they have that insight, then they're much mm-hmm. much in a much better position to be able to coach their rep, coach their reps and see what their A players are doing versus their B and C players. Ladies, it's time for me to coach you into our predictions round because we have exactly six minutes left till the end, and I don't want to just measure the time. I want to say it's time for Barb Giamanco to put on your headlights for the future, look into the crystal ball. I know you polished it off before the show, Barb, as did Tamara and Robin, and I know you've got a great future view, so I'm just simply going to say, let's see, we've got five minutes left. I have to play King Solomon here and divide evenly, so why don't we say 60 seconds each? and then we'll have a bonus question if we have more time. Barb Giamanco, I love the year 2020. It just sounds so good. 2020, I promised I wouldn't say that on the air, but I just did. So the question is, how far into the future can you see? If we met again, Barb, and I hope we do, what would the conversation be like? What will change on closing your sales productivity gap? Barb, 60 seconds, predictions, go. Well, I just think, just like we've talked about, in, in the next five years, it's going to be more critical that sellers change the approach and adapt to what the customers want. And if they don't do that, I predict that if, if companies just keep, uh, you know, the, if their strategy is to keep throwing technology at it or training people on features and benefits um, and they don't get to the root causes of the problem, well, I'm just not sure they're actually going to be in a sales career or if their company is going to be in business. So I don't know that I can think beyond five years, but I know by 2020 there are a lot of predictions that say if sellers really don't improve the way that they support customers and deliver on customer expectations, then a lot of those sellers will no longer be needed. Wow. Do you think we'll have a different word for sales, for Salesforce, workforce, for sales professionals? Do you think that, that we'll come up with a better word? Maybe that's part of the problem, Barb. You... I like free agent myself. <laughs> <laughs> you must have a sports background, my friend. Okay. Tamara, Tamara Schenk in Germany. I'm going to give you the same 60 seconds for predictions. Go. Okay. So Salesforce enablement will become a strategic imperative to drive productivity, to drive performance, and it will be a holistic approach designed backwards from the customer's journey, their behavior, and and their relevant buyer roles. Uh, The new selling 2020 will be value creation at each stage of the customer's journey, and it's about walking away from I have to sell a product to I love to solve my customer's problem with passion and compassion. Thank you very much. Very well put. Robin Sates, I saved 60 seconds for you. Go ahead. Thanks. I think um, selling is going to become more data-driven because we'll be able to collect data and almost have a 360-degree view of the entire sales process from what's going on in a client, what's going on in a prospect, what's going on from a trend perspective. And that will, that having all of that data will be able to, um, make recommendations to sellers on what types of content to share, who, who should they share that content with, with, and what is the exact right time that they should be doing that. This problem is not going to go away, the sales productivity problem, but I think advancements in technology along with having a value-centric approach to selling is going to be a dynamite combination. 
Ah, interesting. I have a bonus question for the three of you. We've got just a minute till I have to start closing the show. Let's start with Barb. Do you think this is a good time for boomers who are not quite done with their careers or they want to get their toe back in the water and have some fun to come in and say, I want to be a sales rep for a B2B company. Train me, teach me. I understand what people really want because I have so many years of being in business or being a buyer. What do you think? Good time for boomers to get back in or stay home? What do you think? I shouldn't even well, ask it that I, way I because I am. Mindset is that they realize that we're in a changed world and they're really they're willing to roll up their sleeves and get in there and understand the technology and then bring all that other great business and strategy uh, strategic mm-hmm. knowledge that they have to the table sure why not i mean there's a great opportunity for everybody of every age to be successful in organizations i like that tamara shank what do you think agree disagree quickly agree if they are willing to put themselves in their customers shoes go for it there you go. That's what I was looking for. Robin Sates, yes or no? I agree. They need to be value-centric, and they need to get themselves technology-savvy, and they can win. Thank you very much. Great thoughts. Barb Giamanco from Social Centered Selling. Wonderful to have you on with us. Tamara Shank at MHI Research Institute. Terrific. Robin Sates at BrainShark. What can I say? Dynamic panel. I hope you'll all come back again. I have to do a shout-out to our tweeters. I think we had almost 100 tweets today on hashtag SAP Radio. Go take a peek. Gail Daikoku, thank you. BrainShark, whoever is tweeting at the handle at BrainShark, you were just amazing. And Tamara and Barb, tweeting while you're talking what can I tell you? That's as good as chewing gum and climbing the stairs at the same time. Alice Hyman, nice to see you there, Productivity T.O.P. And Sarah Card, we've never met you before, but thank you so much. Shout out to Jeannie Trin and Ariba for sponsoring and Brad and the Business Channel team for getting and keeping us on the air. Here is my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Go out and be a game changer today. Bonnie D. Graham signing off for another edition of... Business Innovation with Game Changers Radio, presented by SAP and Ariba. See you tomorrow morning, 11 a.m. Eastern, Coffee Break with Game Changers. Bye-bye. Thanks again for tuning in to Business Innovation with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run business is run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join host Bonnie D. Graham again Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, 12 p.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week.